Welcome to episode 13-9 of the Tech Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Desert Eagle Allen. With me today is that rare lineup of luminaries, starting with Sage Samarage Morris Green. Hello. I also have Eric Blue Swim. Hey, that's me. Jeremy Lawman Lamont. Greetings all. And Ryan, aka Linus Twice. Kochavar. Hello, hello. So one of the things I want to do before we commence with the usual silliness. I did want to take a moment to talk about the loss in our industry. Uh, That was uh, Ken Melville. He passed away uh, at the beginning of February. Uh, We haven't done a podcast in a while, but I do wanted to offer a few words. Ken was one of the uh, original members of uh, CinemaWare, uh, the CinemaWare team, and they were one of those pioneering studios that sought to combine interactive entertainment with uh, Hollywood-style storytelling. Uh, Beyond It Came From the Desert, a uh, a fine Amiga title. He also worked and wrote and designed Sewer Shark uh, and was the driving force behind the Make My Video series, you know, those games that were based around uh, videos for uh, In Excess, Criss Cross, Marky Mark. Uh, I met Ken um, when he was trying to reinvigorate uh, interest in the Cinemaware games via Kickstarter. Uh, He came over to my house with a camera crew and I got unusually nervous uh, talking about things like Defender of the Crown, Three Stooges. Uh, Part of it, I hadn't played the games in about 20 years, and to be honest, I was a bit starstruck meeting the man who had a hand in these games that that I played as a kid. Now, this was, of course, before the internet, uh, when developers were just these distant personas who you only kind of gleaned information about in uh, interviews or those brief uh, blurb on the back of the box type stuff. So long story short, I rambled through the interview and Ken, he ended up staying for at least two hours uh, just talking about, you know, the games he worked on, giving anecdotes and just sharing an enthusiasm that uh, won't be forgotten anytime soon. So Ken, wherever you are, this this show's for you. I'm glad that that's how the long story short ended up because I was sure you were going to be urinating yourself by the end of the thing. So I'm glad it turned out as well as it did. Why would that have been a thing? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. He just said he was so nervous and he was building up to it. I'm just like, oh, my God. He's not your dog, Jeremy. He's not going to pee on the air. Yeah. Well, I wasn't know, quite that to... nervous. Jeremy, when I, mean, when I get nervous, he, I stammer he, a little bit. I don't make sense. But uh, bladder control, I got that under control. I was just thinking whenever I start talking about make my video with Marky Mark, a little bit comes out. I'm just saying. Okay. Night Trap. Just, you... Night Trap, too. He also worked on that one. <laughs> You guys probably Something that different one. comes out on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> let me, let me uh, save ourselves and jump right into uh, impressions. As I mentioned, I was talking a little bit before the show. Uh, I have a little explaining to do. About two months ago, my PC started acting up uh, once more. A couple of the USB ports were dying. The hard drive was giving me a few errors. Problems that I probably could have fixed, but I did not. I had purchased one of the um, extended warranties from Office Depot. So I sent my rig out to be repaired, and three long weeks later, it comes back in much worse shape than how I sent it out. So I get on the phone, I work my way up the corporate ladder, and eventually get into contact with one of the uh, company's higher-ups. And after verifying everything that went down, um, Office Depot, they didn't make me send my computer back. Instead, they apologized profusely and cut me a check for the full price of the computer. So I was really impressed, went back to them, bought a new machine. Yeah, so now uh, I begin my new history. I I bought a uh, HP Envy 
Uh, it's a 700 with an A10, 6800, 12 gigabytes, terabyte hard drive. It's not a monster rig, but um, one of the better off-the-shelf machines I could find for about 600. Um, very it has stable. 12 gigs of RAM? Yeah, and uh, because it's an off-the-shelf, I, I replaced the power supply unit, uh, got it like a 600 water for about $40. And I found this XFX um, 7850 uh, graphics card at Best Buy that was being clearanced out for 75 bucks. Now, first, the bad the bad part about the card, on the outside of the box, it said it came with four games. And, of course, it was a limited time offer, so I looked it up on my phone and wanted to make sure the promotion didn't end. Uh, from what I could see, it, it didn't end. But lo and behold, once I got it on, you know, got it home, entered all my info, the, the serial numbers and the like, they were... Um, a couple of days later, they said they were out of keys on three of the four games. So I did reach out. They sent me two additional keys, and so everything was gravy. Now, the 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 7850, it's not a monster, but it's enough to run most games probably in the neighborhood at 50 to 60 maxed out uh, graphic detail. And the performance has been... I, I guess solid enough to really make me. I've been selling most of my console games, buying them on PC, um, and really enjoying the difference in fidelity and just kind of customizing. You know, if I want the the graphic detail, things like that. Um, now I do feel a little bit guilty doing this. I, I feel like I'm letting my fellow console constituency down. But rest assured, I, I'm still playing the hell out of my JRPGs on console and portable. I'll be digging into Deception, uh, Demon's Gaze for, for upcoming reviews. So let me take a moment and sing the praises of PC Life. Uh, first, the games. Uh, I was tempted when uh, the def definitive edition of Tomb Raider 4 came out. I really wanted to see uh, Laura's tress effects, you know, next-gen hair. <laughs> but the thing was... Um, I could have bought the, you know, I could have spent, what was it, $50, maybe $60 when it came out. Or I could have bought the core game, the one without the DLC, for $5. So I, I spent 5 and, you know, pure 60 frames per second beauty, and I was hooked. Um, so a couple months ago, I had about 400 Steam games, mainly from bundles before my new rig. Now I've gone absolutely crazy buying everything and anything that's on sale. And I'm yep. honing in on the magic 1,000 number. So just want to talk, <laughs> just wanna Wait, talk a little bit about my favorite. When did you get this new computer? Uh, about two months ago. Oh. A thousand and games then, in two months, and then I also bought a, Holy um, shit, dude. a, a gaming laptop as well. <laughs> so, Whoa! It's roughly like, the power I, of an Xbox 360, but you know, I, I can play. That we would get you into PC gaming, but it's like it's like someone introduced you to cocaine and you went out and bought five kilos of it. Jesus yeah. Christ! I want pure and your own hooker you. to do blow off of her yes. ass. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> I'm the wolf of Silicon Valley. Um, so, <laughs> Card City, uh, Card City Knights, first game I want to talk about. Um, I played a little bit. You might guys might remember Eye of Judgment um, with someone. Yeah. It, it was this PS3 kind of quirky PS3 game. It was either Sean Noel I played it with, or one of the guys from the Cheap Ass Gamer crew. I really don't remember. It's probably like four or five years ago. But I I was getting really into the uh, PSI power game. And I, I played three straight matches. I lost the first one. I had won the second one and was getting, you know, into the third. By that time, the sun was going down and I had to turn on the light so the PSI would recognize my cards. Only it wouldn't recognize them very well with artificial light. And so the game's winding down and I'm saving my card, the one that would probably, you know, sway momentum in my favor, win the game. I put it down and it's not recognized. I try it again and again. And all the while, like the seconds are counting down. And so my, my minute almost passed and I, and I 
couldn't even play my fucking winning move, and I end up losing. And so that was the last time I played Eye of Judgment. I, I like the idea of the game, but the execution with the PS camera kind of sucked. So Card City Night is like Eye of Judgment. Uh, you're given this deck where you take turns placing on a 4x4 four four grid. Uh, in the corner of each card, there are arrows, and if you make a circuit of three arrows, you unlock the abilities on the cards, either kind of attacking or defending. Uh, naturally, you can, you can use attack cards attack cards to ebb away at a player's hit points or uh you can you know attack a, a specific card if a player either can't place a card or runs out of hp they get the game's over so relatively simple but a lot of fun uh and i really like that the cards are taken from other uh indie titles so um it's pleasingly uh referential so really digging that it's a real simple indie game uh, the other game I've been playing uh, is called Cloud Built from Coilworks. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that one. Uh, the title is destined to draw a comparison to Mirror's Edge. Uh, fundamentally, you're running across these elevated platforms, striving to maintain momentum, doing these wall jumps, which aren't uh, too much different from something the Prince of Persia would do. Uh, Mirror's Edge seemed like combat was, was kind of put in added reluctantly but cloud built it feels uh more secure uh again it gives you the option to take out enemies but it never requires it uh sure you can take out the spikes you can take out the mines missiles turrets all those things if you you know if you have the skills or you you know if you have the ability um you you can avoid all that or you can totally find another route entirely i mean the game is rarely linear uh what it Robert, is though yes what, what sorry real quick what's the point of view on that the point of is oh, it like a third person no it's first person first person point okay so it does so it look I have similar a to too. so oh, no i'm sorry it's to third person. Edge that way Third person point of view. It's third person? Yeah. So it's like more like Prince of Persia, not the first person person, near's edge. Third person, but she is, Demi is her name, she's translucent. So, so are you watching, so not like Mirror's Edge where you're like actually seeing it as though, quote unquote, as though you were doing it, but you're watching this like sort of ethereal person go on? Yeah, and that definitely helps, especially with the wall run, like you to nail those things. Because Mm -hmm. for me... Uh, first person shooting is okay, but first person interacting with the environment, like first person platforming, doesn't usually work for me. Because then you have I to agree. look down where your feet are, and right. by that time well, and, something's in your face, and you know it didn't, didn't work for me. So well, in the, and in the virtual realm, you you very rarely are they able to do peripheral vision at all. Yeah, you know, and you've got sixteen monitors and, and that kind of stuff. So <laughs> there you go. Maybe with <laughs> Oculus. Oh, yeah, yeah, if it wasn't yeah. sold to Facebook like a piece of fucking sellout garbage. Let's well, we'll talk about let's talk about I know, let's I'm table waiting. that discussion in a I'm second. Waiting. Um, but in, anyway, um, so one of the things I wanted to mention is it is hard. Um, before long, the levels are, are just throwing what you're going to feel is these nearly insurmountable challenges at you. And you think there's no way I can beat this. But gradually, uh, if you persevere, you do overcome. And you realize how to pass those obstacles if you do things right. So there is there is repetition there. Uh, this game is kind of the Dark Souls of parkour. Uh, the one downside right now is that the game requires uh, the precision of mouse and keyboard. Coilworks has indicated controller patches coming, but obviously they want to make sure that it doesn't break the game, making it too hard, too easy. And I, I really want to see that come out. Um, and But even if it remains in, in limbo, I'd recommend parkour fans check out Cloud Built. Um, and one thing I did mention is just the visual filter on it looks really nice, and the soundtrack uh, is, is hauntingly beautiful. So really kind of a cool game, um, and that's Cloud Built, Coilworks. 
A lot of fun. Cool. Excellent. Sounds good. Just just pretty to look at and a lot of fun. That's yeah, it. That's always that's always great. Um, just pretty to look at is is so so simple a request that I have of most games. You, you know, know I was like, playing I was playing Shadow Warrior. God damn, that game's pretty. Oh, I haven't <laughs> have you picked it up. That? Is that that's PS4, right? That's the the resurrecting the. No, no, that, I've been playing it on PC, and they got oh, the okay. cherry blossoms, and you know, it, it, some parts are really gross. So there's blood all over the screen, and everything, and then the environments <laughs> themselves are so beautiful. So you got like bl- you're hacking people to these beautiful like bamboo kind of walkways and stuff like that. So this is so mixture that of, nice of totally gross. You have totally gross with the serene. <laughs> there nice. but uh, yeah i was having a lot of fun with that one excellent uh, as well so yeah check that one out that's been about 10 is that, bucks. Is that all you played robert no i played a hell of a lot more but i, I knew everybody was uh holding for time so i was trying okay. to keep it short and sweet no i played okay. about 400 games in the past week <laughs> how do you i feel like our listeners might want to know how is it that a man who does have a job and is in fact employed has time to play 400 video games in a week Okay, 400 is an exaggeration, but one of the things I do is I take the train to work, and the trains in Los Angeles, at least the Metrolink, they have tables, and Mm -hmm. what you do is you push the little kids out of the way, and you get a good (laughs) spot, I'm kidding, you get a good spot on the train, and so, you know, I sit down, and I, and I, I have to play with a mouse. The um, my laptop, the little touchpad is pretty pretty awful. So I have like a gaming mouse, and then I got a little mouse pad and everything. So I just have the whole setup there and headphones, and I'm in my own little world for uh, 45 minutes. And so 45 minutes a day, I, I can get in, coming and going to work. So you're that guy on the train that like the little old lady walks up and she's like, "Gee, I wish I could sit down." And the only deterrent really for her is that you're gigantic, and so she's like, "Well, I'm not going to ask him to." move fuck so she just hobbles along down the fucking train i have been taking you know going in early and late at night before mass, uh-huh. the mass commuter you know, uh-huh. the, this isn't tokyo so um you know, <laughs> it's, it's not packed they're not helping people onto the train to pack it to pack them all in so all right, frequently enough. i do have a little area to myself okay so that way i can play the visual novels Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Which did you see? Ones, right? Yeah, did you see? I did tweet about that. I, I had some yeah. tweets where um, I, I showed myself playing some visual novels on the train. I got some books. <laughs> Were they the hentai ones? Because maybe that's what you got the looks. <laughs> Shameless. Yes, I totally watched tentacle porn on the fucking train. It was. <laughs> Well, he's not PG. watching tentacle porn, Sage. He's playing yeah. tentacle porn. Uh, I am the tentacle. No. Enough about me. Let's hear about you. Who? Ryan. Ryan. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, okay. So in since the new year, it's been a while since I podcasted with you guys. Um, since the new year, uh, I have graciously been able to afford a ps4 and so i have been rocking out with some of the games on there and uh by some i mean all because there's only what like six or seven at this point (laughs) um and you know i mean i I ended up uh i'm really loving battlefield 4 uh and specifically the water every Mm -hmm. every single match that i enter into i try and go for a boat as soon as i can just because the dynamics of that are so new and so fresh and everybody's still trying to you know figure them out of course you've got aces and everything like that but really the physics just make it such completely changes the game it's amazing Hmm. um are you having any problems with matchmaking i gave uh, up about a month ago oh really i I haven't actually run into any it's always been super super quick uh 
right into the game, no drops. Well, I guess I did have a couple of dropped games mm-hmm. at the very beginning, right after launch, but um, but no, it's been pretty smooth sailing recently. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, so, of course, I've been playing that. Uh, went through the story of um, Killzone, Shadowfall, mm-hmm. which I yep. thought, I mean, it was gorgeous. You know, and the, and the gameplay was pretty fun. I liked the, the idea that you had the little companion guy yeah. and you could mm-hmm. send him out to attack. But I just think it was it was a little, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't as necessary as I would have liked it to be. It was just sort of like a, I don't know, like a, like an earring or something like that. It just doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything. You can still get through the game without it, but it's just, you know, it's like, oh, look at this shiny little owl that I have on my shoulder. Right. A yeah, robotic the- operating buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things I think I mentioned earlier when I played Killzone was my problem was that the first level started really kind of open-ended. Mm-hmm. You, when you're in the forest, and then pretty soon you're at the train level, and then you're going through those uh, those elevated platforms, and it became kind of linear. And I like yeah. more of the – kind of the same thing with Battlefield. You know, the first uh, – what's the name of the first uh, level? Where it's fairly wide open, and then they kind of funnel you through corridors. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's – and it's – and I think that's that's most – it's just the 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 more the more E3 becomes a bigger part of the gaming industry every year. Of course, it does. Uh, I think the game the uh, game developers are starting to make those first levels super impressive yeah. and big and wide open. And then th- for the rest of the game, they can just do you know whatever they want to basically because everyone's already going to buy it. You know, All right? Charlie Team come in design <laughs> a walkway. It's a Final <laughs> Fantasy thirteen level walkway for everyone to walk down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, and, and I actually, uh, I, I played a little bit of Thief as well, um, and that's good. I'm having a lot of trouble sticking with it. Um, is it the plot losing you, or is the gameplay itself not that engaging anymore? Well, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit of both, because the plot sort of, you know, I don't know, the plot, the plot is a bit lackluster just because I don't really care about anybody, including Garrett, the main character, the person whose eyes and shoes I'm sitting in. I just don't, I, I just don't sort of care to be that person because he's not really sure about who he is, even though he's supposed to be a master thief and you'd think that he'd have a little bit, I don't know, cojones is what I want to say. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't have any balls as a main character. He's no, just no chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just sort of wandering through and, you know, hoping some drunk innkeeper is going to tell him, you know, hey, there's something shiny over here, you should go check it out. And then he just sort of falls face first into some more plot explanation. Mm. Um, Do you play, did you play the the older Thief games? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So how do you uh, feel it compares to that? Not very well, I guess. Well... It's interesting. Out of the box, of course, there's very little comparison that you can make, um, other than the fact that you, you know, other than the setting and the objectives are similar. Um, but the cool thing that I really like about it is is there there's an insane amount of customization in the options menu for the gameplay. So you can absolutely tailor fit going through all of the different gameplay options in the menu to you can tailor fit it to be exactly like the old Thief games, where you know. Um, I can't, I, I don't know if you can add a combat element, like if you can actually start using swords and things like that at some point, but, um, but I, but I do know that you can take away all of the extra powers that Garrett gets, you can take away all of the extra, um, little visual cues that they give you on what you can steal and things like that. So it's a nice little nod to the older gamers who were really angry about the, uh, the, the, the changes to the, to the gameplay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, right. But really, I got to say, the the best game that's out for the PS4 right now is is the new Infamous game. I mean, it really is just sort of trailblazing, showing exactly what you can do with the hardware and uh, and firmware that the PS4 offers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really incredible. It's uh, it's the the game plays at a solid sixty frames per second the entire time. I haven't had any drops in frame rate whatsoever, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Of course, I live in Seattle, and the game takes place in Seattle, and mm-hmm. so there's a huge element of it's just going around and looking at all the landmarks. And I'm surprised at how many licenses they were able to get. Um, you know, Are you? Course, I feel like they would want their <clears throat> city marks to be in this glorious game that everyone's playing on the new system. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I suppose there, there is that, but the, the fact is, the thing that really impresses me is, that, is the location of everything, and the level of detail that they go into, um, because a lot of the locations of places are, you know, of course it's a smaller game world, for instance, the part of Seattle that I live in, northern Seattle, is not in the game whatsoever, it's just sort of trees in the game, but... Mm. Uh, you know, around downtown and south of there is you know, pretty... <laughs> pretty amazing uh as far as um as far as the layout goes you've got the entire uh, pacific science center with the space needle and everything like that is in the game uh sonic boom records shows up um anyway but uh but <laughs> you know that's just my my little seattle geek inside me but um no, the controller, the ways that they've used the controller uh, really blew me away. The, uh, the main character is a graffiti artist, for those of you that don't know. Um, and so there are these little mini-games that you can start with uh, where you go up to a specific place and uh, you, know, um, you enter into the mini-game and it tells you to turn your controller to the side and hold it like it's a, like it's a spray can. And well, that's then, cool. Uh, yeah. And so the, the PS4 controller having a little speaker in it, of course I was like, uh, are they going to do it? And then it tells you to shake it, and the, the speaker makes the little clickety-clack noise that the spray, can, mm. the spray paint can would make. Um, right. And then you just sort of, like, it uses the motion tracker that's on board to track you as you spray paint over several different layers of stencils to actually really feel like you're creating the art and really participating in the grassroots side of starting a revolution in a city that's being occupied. Hmm. Um, so it's better yeah. than Mark e- Echo getting it up or getting it nope. up? <laughs> getting it up? Oh, my God. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> yes. And, this episode's uh, title. <laughs> getting it up. Because <laughs> that's so different from what we usually title things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And, and I, guess, I guess there are some who would argue to, to say that this is like um, if you gave Mark Echo superpowers and, and let him get it up in Seattle, then this would be... The game for you. God. <laughs> the Woody Northwest. Uh, uh, see what you did there. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's that's what that's what I've been playing recently, and I'm loving it. Uh, other than, of course, uh, Sage and I, of course, will probably want to talk about Reaper of Souls, which we've been jumping into recently. Yeah. Uh, but I'll leave that for uh, for her little segment. My little segment? Why is my mine a little segment? That's Aren't little. our segments all little because we we had to hold for time? Oh, I wasn't uh, trying to be. Uh huh. <laughs> trying to be dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like a transition. I hate to say this, but you're probably screwed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that does sound like a transition, Robert. Uh, so let's go ahead and. 
transit. I am so much happier with Reaper of Souls than I was with Diablo 3 when it first came out. Um, I think removing the auction house was great, except that, of course, day one when Ryan and I jumped back in, I was like, I'm going to go buy plans for some... Nope, nope, I'm not, because there's no auction house. Never fuck you mind. Um, hmm. I, I The drop system is remarkable. Too bad you can't play offline. Yeah, well, okay. It's not... <laughs> It's not, I still say Diablo 2 is better for right. several key reasons, that being one of them. That said, they did do some really interesting things that were not features of Diablo 2 that I think have actually really improved the game a lot. One of them is that the drops are more specifically tailored to your character, um, which, I think, which I think is a really good thing. So you get, you get skills and percentages and, and like, you know, dex percentages, strength percentages that are a lot more suitable to your actual mm-hmm. character. I think that that sort of makes up for the fact that you can't trade um, legendary things, which I think is actually yeah. kind of crummy because, like, I'll get a legendary, you know, witch doctor drop. I have no interest in playing a witch doctor character or leveling it up to, to the level that would be, like, I would need a level 45 character to play it with. So I can't really give it to anyone else unless someone happens to be in-game with me when I get it and I'm, I have about an hour and a half or two hours, I think it is, to trade it. Um, so I think that's not a good part of the game, but I do think that it's made up for a little bit by the fact that the things that drop are more for you. See, wait, let me get this right. You can only, tr- once you pick up loot, you can only trade it for 90 minutes? No, you can uh, trade... Legendary loot. Yeah. Oh, le- legendary, legendary loot. I'm sorry, legendary loot. So you can only trade for 90 minutes. Um, and, yeah. And, and let's plans. only with people who were in the, who were in your party. In the game. Yeah. So when you picked up mm-hmm. the loot. Okay. So let's say, hypothetically, I pick up legendary loot. It's pretty good. I drop out of the game, and then I start back up again. Does it? Does the timer... I think it continues because you're in a party with those people. Well, I, let me say, if you're in a party with those people, then I think... And actually, I haven't tried playing in a room without being in a party with people, because I... I liked really? that about Diablo 2, that you could start playing in a game with people you didn't know, and you didn't have to be in a party with them. You could leave whenever you wanted to. You could see if they played like assholes or if they were, you know, kind of cool people to game with. That was, no. I mean, that was part of the networking aspect of Memorpapegs, was that you got to know people that way. And this, um, the way they're doing it now, I think it's, it's one, more difficult to jump into other rooms, it's just because it's more cumbersome, and it's less convenient in terms of trading and meeting new people and doing those things with them. Did you pick up the regular or the uh, special $80 edition? Uh, I don't think it was regular. 80 I thought it was 40 and 60 but I got the $40 edition. Because the $60 edition was bullshit for shit I don't do. Like, it was like, get a special thing in Warcraft. I don't play Warcraft. Get little decals for StarCraft. I don't give a shit about that. Um, I like no, StarCraft. I, 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 I love StarCraft. I play StarCraft, but I don't want the little... It was like, get these little floaty decals, some bullshit that I don't need. Right. And then you, you didn't really get anything for Diablo. Like, the, the regular pre-order came with the two things that I wanted anyway, so I, I didn't need anything else. So so you get... They raised the level cap. Mm-hmm. They raised the level, level cap. 70. New character, the hammer. The, which the, It's a paladin. It's the crusader. It's yeah, a it's a very much more combat-ready paladin, much less focused on defensive skills. Worth the $40, you'd say? Yes. Yes. Um, really? I think okay. the plot line, I mean, I'll let Ryan answer that too, but I, I think briefly, the plot line of the act is interesting. They've made some major improvements to gameplay. Um, you, it, you, you do have a little bit of the old Diablo 2 thing where bad guys are actually hard and like the bosses, and you do need to switch up your skills to take them on, so you do need to actually be paying attention to how you're setting your character up. They got rid of 
the cooldown time that happened after you switched your skills, which is great, because you can just switch them right away. Not in combat, but you can switch them right away as you're running around without having to, like, oh, now i got to wait for a minute. The only thing I'll say, and, and I want Ryan's opinion on this, is that I think the difficulty is rather inconsistent. I think that the beginning of Act 5 is pretty damn easy, and then it gets harder pretty quickly. But then at the upper levels of Act 5, I think it starts wavering back and forth again, because I was running around with a level 45 barb, and I, I mean, I shouldn't be able to get very far even on normal with a level 45 for an act that's designed for, like, level 60. But I was running around with a 45 barb on Torment level 2, which is, tor- you know, there's five levels of difficulty and Torment has mm-hmm. five additional right. slider scales. So on Torment level 2, I started the act with my Barbarian and did not have to ratchet it down until, like, a decent way into it, which just seems not, it seems too inconsistently hmm. difficult. Well, I don't it's know interesting, why. because, well, I mean, first off, the, uh, the first off, Act 5, I mean, wasn't necessarily, it wasn't designed for level 60 characters to jump into, because the whole game, the difficulty, one of the big things they changed is that it scales now. It scales to your character's level. And then basically what you do as a character with changing the difficulty, which you can do mid-game now, not... With a ton of freedom for, I think, for raising the difficulty, you have to exit and start a game again. Um, but what that's doing is that that's playing off of your loot. So your base character, the monsters are designed to be like engaged by your base character with you know mediocre loot. And then once you start getting a lot of rares, a lot of legendaries, some set items, even maybe, um, then you can start to then you start to up that difficulty. So, you know, if your barb is running around with some really good loot, which it was because that was the character we were playing during the uh, community event when everything was like plus 125 and 125 magic fire. No, no, right? it's not that one. No, this was my other barb. Oh, interesting. Well, I know. Um, I know. Yeah, I haven't experienced. I mean, there've definitely been some times where I've been, you know, smacked down, but that always happened in Diablo 2. Right. Out of nowhere, you'd run into uh, you know a unique or a champion monster that you just you couldn't you couldn't deal with. Yeah, totally. <laughs> now I, I just bought D three when it when it dropped down to twenty dollars. Is it, does are these improvements? Do they carry over to the main game, uh, yeah. or is yeah. it just exclusive? Yes, it's it's really the features okay. that that you need to have the expansion for, like okay. adventure mode, and um, of course you know this stuff we've already talked about, but. Uh, but yeah, no, the base comes with, uh, Loot 2.0 comes with Patch 2.0, which is free for any Diablo 3 subscriber. Um, okay. Yeah. And, anyway. and I, like, I like how the, because I've always thought it was interesting to be able to see what friends in your friends list were doing and what achievements they were getting. But like the way it's done on Xbox 360, I find obnoxious because it's right sort of in the middle of the bottom of the screen. If you're multiplayer playing with someone else, that's like, you know, a considerable chunk of their screen that fucks them up. And I really, I know this is a little thing, but I really like how it shows sort of off to the side in the chat channel. um, What, like, if I have a friend who's not in a party with me and he's playing somewhere else, but he gets, he gets some big achievement, it will tell me that he got some big achievement which goes back to that whole, like, you actually build a, a more peg community thing I can say to him while I'm playing, like, hey, congratulations, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Sage, you hate the Xbox One. 
because every little thing it will tell you if one of your friends recorded did something and some games just oh, yeah. that like that's why i hate the xbox it will, it will tell you every little thing <laughs> somebody took a piss <laughs> and they'll, they'll, po- they'll post it to the xbox yeah, that's one, one of wall. the many reasons why i hope that everyone who owns an xbox one drop kicks it into a swimming pool and then pees on it and then lights the pool on fire that's how you it know, I, I still think though that the even the what's new portion of the ps4 interface i still don't it's still a little bit too gabby i feel like the perfect balance so far has been the vita where you can sort of look on it on a kind of an app by app basis or you can look at your friends list and kind of see the main the main highlights but with even with the ps4 i never look at that thing because it's like you know so and so started this game they started the same game they started the same game you know because every time they close and reload it or something it tells you the same thing and i really feel like they still need to do some fine tuning with that because it is just not where it needs to be well, I, you especially know, I, since it was billed as curated content, and and you know that kind of stuff showing up a billion times in the feed doesn't seem like it's very well curated, you know. Yes. If it's, yeah. Well, and I think that's I mean, at least consolidated. You know, I, I, maybe just show mm-hmm. me once that they played that game instead of five times. Right. Or like has the, been playing this recently. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of the difference between the consoles seem to have gone more with the whole like social media. Facebook, Twitter, update everything thing, whereas Blizzard and, and Steam seem to have stayed more with the, like, we're going to give you big updates, but not your friend took a pee and ate a sandwich. It's going to be like, your friend hit level 70 and he's a genius at this game. Like, that's something I give a shit about, but not the other stuff. <laughs> you know, weirdly, I, I almost feel like Steam, because I don't, I don't um, uh, really look at the community feed tab very often, and I, I usually find that kind of interesting. I almost wish that the community stuff in Steam were a little bit more front and center, because I think that people kind of do like to know what their friends are playing, and they find that interesting, and they're like, oh, I want some of that too. What, what's that game like? But it's just it's just striking that balance, and I feel like Steam is a little bit too, it's mm. a few too many clicks away from me to see kind of what I really want to see, and then but if you open your, consoles, it's the opposite. But if you open your friends menu, it tells you what they're playing, like right there. Yeah, tells you even what they bought recently. Well, like, I don't. Me, I hope. It's, it's I don't want Steam tab. to change. No, yeah, no. It, there is there is a community tab, but you can also open your friends menu. You can just hit your friends thing, and it'll pop up that little extra side box, and it'll be like, "Here's all your friends," and it says what the fuck they're doing. Don't don't say that, man. I don't want Steam to suddenly. If I start getting little notifications in the middle of my goddamn screen <laughs> while I'm gaming Steam games, I'm gonna be pissed. I, I think people like it, but I wish you could customize that stuff more. Because you know, the other thing that really bugs yeah. me, at least about the about the PS4, and you know, even Steam does this too, is there's not really a good way to just say, "Leave me alone," you know. <laughs> Uh, especially on the ps4 especially on the ps4 when it's a movie watching device and i I complained about this on a previous podcast where even if you put in a blu-ray like previously on the ps3 if you if you put in a a a video movie you know like a disc you'd pretty much log out of psn and there was nothing there now it's all there and you cannot and i'm sitting there watching a family movie with my friends and and like you know triple x beast you know whatever 69 yeah exactly is you know popping up on the front of my screen and i'm like oh right and uh (laughs) you know they they had they had on the ps3 like a uh an away or a busy option and i always wish that that would just disable those updates you know so anyway generally speaking i think all of these platforms probably and and i'm not sure that they're you can't log out of psn when you Watch movies. Uh, you you can well yeah I mean if you manually log you have other you options can, for that. The, the thing I, is though for like Netflix you can't for for some of the right. digital services oh, for okay. Netflix yeah, and Amazon right, you yeah, have to right. be logged And I in. agree with Jeremy that yep. the presumption on the part of the of the console builders should be of the software you know inputters should be that I if I'm watching a movie I don't want to see anywhere on my screen so and so did such and such like I'm watching a movie fuck off. 
I mean, that's how difficult is it just to let me decide that? You know, like get right. get mm-hmm. updates, yes or no. Right, like a toggle switch. Do you want updates while you're watching a movie? No, I do not. Fantastic, good. You'd think that would be common sense. That's what I would think. No. Is that I, I, I just sense. I just hope they're working on it because I waited for years and years and years. Like, oh, it's obvious on the PS3 when you set it to do not disturb, don't pop up updates. I'm sure it's coming out. I'm sure it's coming out. Six maybe years later, we, sure maybe not not us individually, but we as tech gaming should write them a letter and say, you know, we would be more all about your shit if you would just add this one little fucking feature. We'd be thrilled. That would be so great. What, what happens if it's Microsoft and the Xbox One that respond to that? They're, no, we're not sending it to them. We're sending it to the PS4 because we don't like the Xbox. Hashtag bias. Send them all wow. messages while they're watching movies and then they'll definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably better. Hey, Spencer. Fix it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Spencer, no. <laughs> R.I.P. Jack Tretton. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't care who is in charge of any of these things. Now that Tretton's gone, I could care less. Phil Spencer, you know what? Whatever. Game over. I still remember sitting in the audience. They were they showed something. I think they showed a kill zone and hip hop gamer screaming his his head off. And Jack acknowledged him. <laughs> Must have made his decade. I do not understand all the fucking publicity he. And somehow I ended up on his email list. I'm getting his emails, and every time I get them, I'm like unsubscribe, and I keep getting them, and I don't know what the fuck to do about it. <laughs> you get him send it over. Unsubscribe, boy. He's. <laughs> That's probably what I need. Maybe it's right. Unsubscribe on a WWE Championship replica belt and send it to him. <laughs> maybe, maybe he has a crush on me ever since he hit on me at E3 two years ago, and has never got the hint that I'm like, no, dude, fuck off. Really, actually, fuck off. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, it was one of the parties. He like came up to me at the bar holding his goddamn belt, but his entourage was this possible? No, his there? entourage was not with him, and he walked up to me. He was like. Hey, girl, and he started talking to me, and I was like, dude, I don't like you. Like, don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> no offense to him as a human being, because I don't know him as a human being, but him as hip-hop gamer, like, that persona, I don't think being obnoxious to get attention should be rewarded. Like, we don't reward little kids for doing that. Why would we reward grown-ups for doing that? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yes, Robert, I think that you should get... I think it's worth buying, and I almost never say that, but I think it is worth buying this expansion. I think it's pretty solid, and it does a lot of good things for the game. And the, and the plot and cinematics of Act 5 are really cool, actually. Oh, and, and the, the bosses. The bosses feel so much more like yeah. Diablo that I remember. Yep. Oh, man, the boss battles are excellent. Oh, and this element was really cool. So so Ryan and I are playing, and we go into this area where, you know, little spirit person pops up and is talking to you, and it was completely different characters for him and I, even though we're in the same party on the same map in the same room. Um, it was different spirit guides that were significant to each of our characters. So I'm saying to him, I'm like, dude, this guy's voice is totally cool. And he's like, dude, I'm talking to a little girl. girl. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, no, that's little, really little... cool taking a card from dead space three's deck yeah. right there mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah. which is yeah no it's excellent and and super thoughtful and that's what i've always loved about blizzard games you know given that they run into problems and they run into you know people sort of call them too too large a company and in, in world of warcraft and all of that but really when it comes down to it they're really thoughtful game makers uh yeah. as yeah. far as mm-hmm. you know as far as the stories and the art is concerned and to their credit, they fix shit. Like, when people mm-hmm. said to them, we don't like these features, they're like, all right, we'll change it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that I that's pretty much all I've been playing. My, my big computer, my gaming rig, 
the OS crapped out, and then I re. So anyway, long story shortened to the end. I have Windows Seven, but none of my games are playing, and because they're all on the other drive, and I have to figure out a way to port them over, which I'm actually going to do tonight after we get off. So that should be fixed. And then my little computer totally took a shit and died. So I had to get a new computer to finish school with, and this is really weird. Did you throw it in the swimming pool and piss on it and set it on fire? (laughs) I would never do that to my EPC. I loved my EPC. But but I liked Asus, but I gotta say, I liked Asus enough. I mean, it was really solid. It just, it it hit a bad moment. But um, (laughs) something had gone wrong with the, like a bug crawled inside and fried the motherboard or something. I don't know. So anyway... Um, I wanted to stick with Asus. I needed something quickly, and I needed something I could finish the semester with. And what I ended up getting, which I will report to you guys on later, because this might end up being really interesting, is what would be a normal Asus laptop, but it's souped up because it was designed by some... Do you guys know who Jay Cho is? Or Chow? And the name sounds familiar. He's some. He's an actor... I know Margaret he's Cho. an actor in like movies that we would have seen, but I forget what they are. But he's been in American movies, but he's a Taiwanese pop star, singer, something... And they and Asus, I guess, went to him. No, Asus went to them and him and was like, "Please design a computer for us." So he was like, "Okay." So it's like this Asian, you know, East meets West. They're all playing on that kind of laptop with like souped-up sound cards because he's a music guy. So it's got like music notes, like you know, ingrained on the on the on the skin of the computer and some Asian kind of symbol, and it comes with. Uh, this I don't give a shit about. It comes with like his songs preloaded on it. I'm gonna get rid of them. I don't care. Um, and like a screensaver of like pictures of him at work. And I don't give a shit about that. But I want my 48 megabytes back. Right. But it comes with. It's got like a 750 Damn. gig hard drive. It's got an i5 or i7 processor. It's got six gigs of RAM for like a little you know Asus laptop so I'm I'm really I, it seemed like how much did it set you back it's supposed to be a thousand bucks but I found some guy selling it on eBay I think because he was sick of the of the design of it for like 350 mm-hmm. so okay. and that's how much it's totally sure there's not no bugs that crawled I in. no no I, I'm sure it isn't but I'm gonna um, I'm gonna make sure it's clean and everything but that's how much I spent on my EPC which was a tiny piece of shit for taking notes and this one is like a pretty powerful computer so now I can maybe even game on my commute to school while I'm driving I'm the interstate <laughs> while you're driving on the interstate <laughs> doing 80 miles an hour playing need for yeah. i feel like that'll be a real virtual experience since oculus rift sort of took a hike on me um i can't remember about the graphics card actually i want to say that it's not i want to say that it's got an interchangeable graphics card it's got another slot for more ram um, I don't remember about the graphics card. I'd have to look it up. Okay. But anyway, I'll let you know how. It sounds, sounds cool. Quite a deal for. I know. I, I thought so too. No. And it's going to get here right away. Whereas if I had ordered a computer from like Asus, the company, it would have been here three weeks from now. So. Yeah, I also have an Asus, but it's the dirtiest touchpad ever. Just it's non. <laughs> but everything else is. Yeah, there are hentai games. Oh. <laughs> gross. There might be a few of those. <laughs> and by a few, I mean 50. <laughs> oh. way, to go. Way, to go. way to go, boss. <laughs> so, Blue, Hentai King, what the hell have you been playing? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I haven't been doing quite as much gaming as I would have liked to because I came down with a cold last week. And in spite of the fact that being sick would be the perfect opportunity to sit down and play something, when I don't feel good. I just, I'm like, okay, get it away. Get away. Nope. Don't want to see it. 
Don't want to see it because if I get a fever and like a fever, you know, which I did, and you know, I was having some, you know, fever dreams or whatever. I mean, that it, it, I just don't want to ruin any games for me. I mean, I, I specifically did not even touch Final Fantasy X, Ten Two HD remaster in the last week or so because I just did not want my fever to screw up with it. But Vita um, or PS3. Uh, I picked it up on Vita first, and then I kind of sort of got wake and bought it on PS3 too. And then the following day is, you know, I started, you know, dealing with the cold, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll just have to wait a couple of days, and I still haven't gone back to it well, yet. I'd be playing the shit out but, of that in bed. Oh, yeah? yeah I would. But that's just me. <laughs> you know, oh, but I, why does that sound dirty when you're <laughs> Why? I don't know. <laughs> I'd play the shit out of that in bed. Like, what the? <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sick. I got nothing else to do. You're laying in bed. You are sick. You're right. <laughs> so, so I, I grind my ass off. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's, you know, it's funny that I haven't been playing as much Final Fantasy X and Ten Two HD as I would have liked. But I have been playing a little bit of Blaze Blue Chrono Phantasma, which is the big surprise latest installment in the Blaze Blue fighting sand, uh, series. Mm-hmm. Now, for this one, basically the gameplay is a little bit faster. At least yeah, I, I haven't gone back and you know done done like a side by side comparison, but it does seem a little bit faster. Like turbo, I edition. believe. Uh, not. Not too far off, yeah. day of the truth. I mean, it, it seems like the pace has been kicked up a notch. It, it has a new uh, overdrive system, which I believe adds a little bit of damage to certain moves, like uh, overdrive. I think not not overdrives, uh, distortion finishes and stuff like that. Um, but as far as the main game goes, the big selling point is going to be the five new characters, or should I say, the seven ca- new characters and the two that are downloadable content. Uh, first off, main roster, you got Bullet, which is a chick in Daisy Duke shorts and a scar on the bridge of her nose. Um, I think his name's Azrael or something like that. He's a big, menacing-looking evil dude. Uh, you have Izayoi, which is some variation of Tsubaki. And there's one character that's only unlockable through story mode. And then the last one is uh, Sheriff Person. Uh, but basically, with the new characters, you know, I mean, I haven't really messed around with them too much because I haven't spent quite as much time with the game as I want. Um, but there are two more characters that are downloadable content, one of which being Yuki Terami, which is the true form of Hazama, the series antagonist. And the other one being the popular cat girl, Kokonoe. And the thing is, if you pre-order the digital edition, you got Kokonoe, or you could buy her starting tomorrow, or you could, if you get the game physically, you got Yuki Terami uh, as a uh, first wave bonus, and people who buy the game Digitally cannot buy Terami until the end of May. God. That is my understanding of it, and it makes me facepalm so hard. Those fighting games are competitive, mm. and you can't lock away a character for, what, about nearly two months just for unknown purposes, just pre order bonus? I mean, it's just doesn't really make sense at all. I mean, 
you know, uh, it's decisions like this that make me really, truly wonder if if DLC, at at its worst, can be the cancer of gaming. It's it, it's just That's an extreme it, statement. And honestly, I feel like I feel like when you have bad examples of you know downloadable content like this, where it noticeably screws over people in a competitive game, you know, it's I feel it's not like a that far off of a statement. It's like you know, DLC became more popular, and then the full retail product quality kind of started dipping downward a little bit. Mm. You know, and. Yeah. I know it's a. I know it's an extreme statement, but you know, I mean, it, it's something that just seems like it possibly is not that far off base. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean, anyways, as, as far as the rest of uh, Blaze Blue goes, they changed the soundtrack. What? Now, Blaze Blue is a franchise that I have heaped a lot of praise on because of its incredible music, which was composed by Daisuke Ishiwatari of Guilty Gear fame, and he was the voice of Saul Bad Guy in Guilty Gear and stuff like that. But for uh, Chrono Phantasma, I believe all the main songs, all the main character themes from the previous games have been remixed by... I want to say he's a keyboard player in a Japanese rock group. Mm -hmm. And... It feels like the entire soundtrack was basically remastered with the spiritual guidance being play harder and faster and it'll be good. Mm. It's like the the franchise has always had like all these distinct flavors to to each character's theme song. It's like you can hear just like the certain little this little little piece of, of of an instrument in one song and know immediately whose character theme that is. It's like right. each song was distinctive. But for the so-called sequels, it's like uh, Rebellion 2, Gluttony Fang 2, etc., as far as title goes. Mm-hmm. It just feels like generic rock music. And to make matters even worse is that they got rid of the original soundtrack. It's not like it's like unlockable or whatever i mean to the best of my knowledge it is been replaced with a soundtrack that is i mean it's not bad in its own right but when you compare it to the originals they fall flat and i know that's like like i said i know it seems kind of nitpicky to complain about the soundtrack in a fighting game when you know the fighting is the main attraction but the series has had fantastic music so when it steps like this it tends to stand out. Blue, I don't think that that's nitpicky at all, because I think that when you're fighting, in fact, that's more, the music adds more to what's going on. Like, so much of what you're doing is, yeah, I mean, it adds to the pacing, it adds to the to the rhythm of what you're doing. Like, bad rhythm in a fighting game totally fucks you up. Yeah, yeah it seems like some songs were just given the, like, 120 beats per minute treatment, and then some other songs were just kind of slowed down and don't really don't really hit their strides until like about 30 or 45 seconds in. It, it, it's just, the, the, I mean, the soundtrack... It's so second round. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know, and it, it, it's a disappointment because I really love the music in that series and I saw no reason to get rid of it. And, I mean, one thing that, that really hammers home how good the original soundtrack is 
is that when is that uh, in the story mode there is a um, like a little opening video during the opening sequence, and it still has the original theme song for Hazama, which was Gluttony Fang, mm-hmm. and. The way the song just kicks up, and you know all the little subtleties of the of the of the theme, it just it, it makes my it makes all the hairs on my arms stand up. It just feels epic. And when you hear the new one, I mean, it's okay, but it just feels like it's missing a soul. And I mean, that's I mean, it's disappointing, but you know, how's Queen of Rose? Uh, it's okay. Not quite. I mean, it's. I was always, I mean, always a Rachel player. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, like none of the tracks are really that terrible per se, but it's just they they just don't feel right compared to the to the originals. And uh, one odd thing on you know, of note with the soundtrack, and this is basically a limited edition mm-hmm. thing right here. The soundtrack CD that came with the limited edition, which was uh, $30 more than the standard game, and it seems like an okay deal on paper or whatever. I mean, it was 35 it? for DLC, because they dropped it down to 45 Oh, crap. <sighs> <laughs> which was kind of weird, and then they pushed the the date. What was the, the DLC versions coming out tomorrow? I think that that's right. I mean, honestly, it's yeah. a really messed up launch. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what Axis was doing on this one. Yeah, it, it's... but I held the edition. They were charging eighty dollars for it. I held it and I kind of looked at it, and I was almost ready to bite the bullet, but uh, did not. I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, the Rachel Nenderoid is uh, sitting on my entertainment center, and that was the main thing I wanted. But yeah, oh, what what I was going to say was uh, the soundtrack CD that comes with it is a data CD. They put ten MP3s. waves. They put ten waves oh, and the track list in the lossless. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I had to end. I ended up having to re-rip Did you it put just so I like, CD player in it, and it went like an old uh, Sega Saturn game. <laughs> it, it wouldn't even boot up in my CD player. <laughs> I have to. It's like, what in the hell is wrong with? Did this? they put the old warning, like an old Sega Saturn? You are about they to hear a data track. They didn't even do that. It's so damn lazy. I mean, it's... Wow. I mean, I cannot think of a sound... Did they put a label on the CD, or was it just a gold? Surprisingly, they did. They didn't just write in it with, like, a black Sharpie. Marker. Yes. I mean, it... it, It's... I I can't recall this limited edition ever including a soundtrack CD that you could not actually use as a music CD. Yeah. (sighs) Uh, I mean, it's. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I mean, I'm enjoying Chrono Phantasma, but it feels like it feels more like the original Continuum Shift because of the DLC characters and whatnot. You kind of feel like you, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to wait out a complete edition. Now, fortunately, if you do have the DLC characters, or you do, you know, get one and then buy the other or whatever, you can transfer those characters over to the PS Vita version, which is rumored to come out in May, I think. I think that's the tentative date that GameStop has. So, I mean, that's a good thing, but aside from that, I mean... How much do you think think they'll charge for that? The full, what, 40? 
I would not be surprised. I, I'd like it, it. Wouldn't be that bad if they like toss in Kokonoe. So right. you know, I, I would have. I would have bit on the deluxe edition had they put in a voucher for the Vita version. You know, that would have been really, really good. I mean, the v- the original Vita port is one of my mm-hmm. favorite PS Vita games. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I, I'm debating whether or not I'll end up picking up the Vita version, because, I mean, I, I enjoyed the last one. I kind of want to show some support for the Vita, as weird as it sounds. But, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I'm going to mess around with it a little bit more, but... As it is, I, I, I think you could probably hold out for Chrono Phantasma Extend and not, <laughs> and not be kicking yourself too hard. I mean, it's, yeah. it's okay, but there's room for improvement. Where'd you put Rachel? Uh, she is on my TV table, uh, just left to center, and she's staring at me along with Nago and Gi. Ah, nice, nice. It is. It's, it's a Nendoroid uh, Petite, so it's a l- mm-hmm. about... I think it's about three inches tall, and with the right. Nago umbrella, it's about four and a half or so. Mm-hmm. It's it's a neat little figure, but I was afraid. I, I swear to God, I was afraid I was going to snap her hair off trying to insert <laughs> into the little, little hole. <laughs> trying to what? If I broke that damn Whoa, thing, whoa trying to insert. <laughs> I what? <laughs> the little clear thing in her back. <laughs> yeah, basically, you have to assemble the figure. It, it, it's you know, oh, okay. all the individual pieces are you know, you know, separated in little te- little teeny tiny baggies, and you have to force in each piece of hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to so God, much, I was damn so near much. sweating bullets assembling this thing. <laughs> this is a really disturbing story. Does she come with multiple faces? Hmm? Does she have multiple faces? Robert, of course she does. She's a woman. <laughs> she's just got one kind of like her her natural oh I'm just a sassy little goth lolly vampire look. Yeah. And I think she's judging me right now. Gotcha. Well, I'm glad you inserted everything. Don't look at me probably. anymore. <laughs> yeah, stop judging listeners. <laughs> Speaking of judging, let's judge uh, Jeremy right now. All right. Uh, well, I've uh, had to cull down my list from the last uh, several weeks, uh, you know, just catching up on things here. I've been playing a lot, but I have to decide, like, what's so old. Nobody wants to hear about it anymore. Uh, so we'll do a little little bit of new, a little bit of old. Yeah, a little bit of Robert, a little bit of old and busted. Um, no, but actually I noticed a theme in the stuff I'm going to be talking about this week. They all start with the letter S, which is weird. Um, That's super. It's not an S statement. I, I, yeah, I know. I should have thought of like some great alliterative, super sexy... Second son. Yes. No, not that, <laughs> oh, actually. Not at all. So, uh, what I have been playing, though, is I've been playing a little bit of Strider on the PlayStation Uh-oh. 4. Um, <laughs> you're, not gonna, you're not going to alliterate I, everyone every, like a snake. Every single S. Every single yeah. S sound I'm going to say I'm going to... On tonight's show, Jeremy is being played by a snake. A cartoon snake, as a matter yeah, of fact. The, the one right. from the Jungle Book. The cobra? The driver nope. of snake snake, snake rattle and roll. Thank you very much. That's, <laughs> oh, that's an NES classic. I like yes, it is. Rare. and Early That's rare. right. And, you know, I think they, they don't... They sort of have disavowed it or something. They never really talk about it anymore. They should they disavow the connect. Stuff. Yeah, they should. Poor, you know, they they do what they're told, man. You know, they're just they're just they're just towing the line. Get Did you read their, that Edge article? I didn't, but I wanted to look at, at it. I didn't. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. 
I do want to get back to it, though. So Strider, on uh, it's actually on multiple platforms, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360. Uh, I think that's it currently. PC. Is it on PC? I'm not sure. Yes, it is. Yeah, maybe it's not on PC. Um, but I've been playing it on the PS4, and uh, it, of course, is a... By now, you probably know it's a sort of Metroidvania-style game. I know I hate that term, and every time I say it, I hate myself a little more. Uh, based on the old NES series from Capcom. Uh, and they actually done a really good job with it, too. Uh, it's got a lot of freedom of movement, uh, you know, aside from the obvious, uh, the idea of those style of games where you have a certain obstacle that you can't overcome until you add on a new power. But Strider uh, has uh, just a lot of mobility. Like, it's fun to, you know, it feels very good just running him around. And, and he can go up walls. You can basically scale pretty much anything, assuming that you can uh, get into the... Um, you know, the physical space of it, so you're limited a lot by jumping and, and just those kinds of things. But uh, you also have a, uh, you know, a plethora of powers, uh, if, if we're keeping in, in with that alliteration theme. Um, and the, um, you know, you start out with um, getting more powerful attacks, so you start out just with a simple slashing maneuver, which you can slash in lots of different directions, your eight different directions. Uh, you eventually will add on, uh, you know, greater attack powers, and you start to get more, uh, you know, navigational abilities or, or movement abilities for traversing space. Um, and there's a lot going on visually in the game, too. It, it actually reminds me a lot of Shadow Complex, in that it is a 2D playing field in a 3D space if you know what I mean. So there's, um, uh, you know, a lot going on in the background, and, and you kind of get the feeling like they actually have designed that space in 3D, but they're just showing it to you on a, on a 2D plane. Uh, lots of effects, lots of lighting and particles. All of the bad guys in Strider, all of your run-of-the-mill bad guys, they're all these uh, sort of G.I. Joe 1980s kind of robot <laughs> Uh, henchmen, I guess you might say, or even Ninja Turtles did some of that, where you, you know, you can, it's okay to kill them and chop them in half, because really they're just robots, you know, you have the, uh, the sparks and, and that sort of thing that, that kind of starts flying. Um, and of course, you know, Strider has his red scarf, and it's, you know, it's very, uh, it's just very interesting to look at overall, and they try and do some very interesting things with the camera, like cinematic movements, zooming and panning, um, you know, it, it, they just try to make it very interesting to look at. Uh, it does get a little bit buggy, I think. There's a, mm. kind of a little bit of frame frame rate kinds of issues, uh, some collision detection kinds of problems. I mean, they actually do some very interesting things with the game in that, uh, for example, here, here's a good example. So one of the very first bosses that you do, in fact, it may even be the first, maybe it's the second boss, uh, they have a... Um, kind of a flying dragon, sort of a Chinese-style dragon that, um, you know, you actually climb on top of and uh, kind of fly through the air. And the, um, you, you know, as you're riding on top of this thing, the, the ground that you're standing on is very dynamic. The thing loops around and flies through the air, and you kind of jump from, from one thing to the other. And it, it is a little bit... Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, like I said, a little bit collision detection. -y. I mean, you can sort of tell where they had to kind of fudge it, I think, to, to make some of those more dynamic events actually happen. But generally speaking, though, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, like I said, it's just interesting and, and, and enjoyable to, to run Strider around. You can do some cool, uh, you know, you just always feel like you, he's doing exactly what you want to be doing. Um, there's just something about the tightness and the control, I think, that they, they really nailed for that. 
Uh, I've also been playing it on the Vita, which it, uh, it actually plays very well, I think, on the Vita. And, you know, my opinion on PS4 games, and, and I don't know, you know, I'm not sure what, uh, what the policy is here at the internet website, tech-gaming.com, but uh, I feel like any review that deals with the PS4 version of a game should also comment on the Vita version as well, you know, and, and how, I mean, not the Vita version, I guess I should say, but how the remote play works on the Vita. Mm, um, okay. But that's actually been, uh, you know, been working really well. I think, uh, assuming that you're in proximity, I mean, it is a little bit more of a twitchy kind of game, so you do tend to notice small drops in in frames and and mm -hmm. uh in your connection so but generally speaking i mean if you need the second screen experience um you know if, if you're on your couch and someone else needs the tv it, it actually works really well the controls translate pretty much straight across um you eventually get some ranged attacks and they map the direction to that to the to the right stick um and and you know it generally works pretty well on, on the vita so i think that um yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and like I think there's a demo available, I believe, on the I, pretty much on every platform. I think I'm pretty sure there's one on the PlayStation Network. But uh, try it out. I think you'll be impressed with it. Uh, it's not the same style of game, I think, as some of the older Strider games. But I think they've done a very good job with it, translating good production value, uh, interesting boss battles. I mean, even though the some of the enemies are a little bit formulaic, and you kind of get an idea of what it is you're going to be uh doing with them and it's just you know memorizing patterns and things like that I, it doesn't do anything super special or you know really revolutionary i mean it is an iterative experience but uh, it works really well and it like i said it's sufficiently impressive and, and plays well enough that uh i think you might enjoy the the new version of strider or the metroidvania strider uh whether you get it on you know each platform kind of has its own thing uh, obviously robert was saying earlier how he's such a pc whore now um <laughs> but um you know for me i i have been getting stuff really on playstation 4 for the and, and again digital so that i can pretty much play them on my video celebrate Indie Outlook's one-year anniversary, Sai and I have some special guests on hand. I'm talking about the guys from Megadev, creators of games such as Atomic Gringo, Holy Crap Bears, and personal favorite, Super House of Dead Ninjas. So with great, Welcome, guys. Yeah, with great honor, I welcome... Hello. Hello, folks. Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're supposed to wait for an introduction properly. Need a theme tune. Yeah, I should have written something. So, welcome to the show, guys. It's been far too long. It's been about... 
maybe three or four years. And in that time, uh, I know many of you married, uh, had children, and are prepped for Megadev Generation 2. Yeah. <laughs> we have got yeah. three kids between us, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah. Been working diligently. So are they showing any any signs of coding ability yet, Mike or Steph? No, I'm afraid not. No chance on my side. My daughter started speaking French the other day, which freaked me out. But um, what? What? <laughs> yeah, I think she got it from from Peppa Pig, <laughs> which was <laughs> that was scary. But um, no, no, I'm trying to keep weird. I'm trying to keep her away from computers and tablets and games for, for the meantime, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just let her enjoy. Just playing, yeah, you know, and maybe one day I'll introduce her to, you know, Castlevania and Street Fighter and all the, class, all the classics. Yeah, she probably does it at night, Mike. Anyway, without you knowing. <laughs> She's gonna say, "Daddy, why is there a turkey leg in the wall?" <laughs> I don't quite understand this. So seriously, in that duration, uh, you've created some really great games. Uh, you partnered with Adult Swim Games. Now, uh, one of the things I want to start off with is talking a little bit about that relationship. Um, does Adult Swim oversee the creation process, or are you guys given full autonomy? I'm getting deja vu here. Um, yeah. <laughs> You'll have to edit that bit out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, no, um, they kind of uh, point us in a general direction and... Uh, let us go for it, really. And right. if anything, they encourage us to, you know, really go, uh, you know, let our hair down and uh, express ourselves. <laughs> so to yeah, gra- grab a drink, kick back and smoke a number. <laughs> no, they, they, they've always got lots of, um, they've always got plenty of feedback mm-hmm. for, for whenever we um, submit builds. And it, it's, it's usually all... Um, uh, pretty spot on, but they, I, I don't think they've ever really pressed us to do anything mm-hmm. um, that they've suggested. So, so they're part of the testing process. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. cool. So, um, one thing I'd really like to do, and I think our listeners would appreciate that, is, is kind of a peek behind the development process. So, I was wondering if you guys could maybe pick one of your titles and uh, kind of walk us through the process from uh, the idea, the inception, to uh, final code. Yeah, I think each game's got a different story, really, because mm-hmm. um, the ideas tend to sort of come out of the blue or sometimes just a bit of luck, or it could be an idea that we've sat on for five or ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, House of Dead Ninjas, for example, um, yeah, we'd never made a platform game, and uh, I'd always struggled with 2D tile collision and getting that working, but... Um, yeah, I came back, uh, got back home one day from uh, London, and I was <laughs> really determined just to make a platform game. So, yeah, within within the course of a few hours, I had something up and running, which was the prototype for House of Dead Ninjas. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Nick and John had a look, and they thought it was good, and so we went and made some art, some audio, and we crafted a pretty nice game out of it. I think uh, we had it done within a month. Wow, is that about right? Something like that, yeah. I mean, the, I think the crucial thing with, I mean, particularly the way Mike works, because he's our programmer and mm-hmm. sort of principal designer rolled into one, is that right from the start, because he makes plenty of pro- playable prototypes, then you've got proof of concept mm-hmm. first off. And, you know, even even with the <laughs> the programmer art that House of Dead Ninjas had to start with, you know, you, you can see that the, the control was right, the yeah. jumping arcs were, you know, it just, yeah, it felt good as a prototype, so... Hmm. We thought and some of it kind of influenced the uh, look of the game itself like uh, to start with Mike was using uh, very well it was just rectangles to begin with mm-hmm, but uh, con- 
considering that and the sheer speed that everything was going, that immediately said to me, ninjas. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> it's got to be ninjas. Violence <laughs> and speed. That was <laughs> Those were the two poles. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of worked out to its uh, benefit on that one because it's all about, it's obviously all about the speed. You've got the time timer on that one, which I'm not sure if that was even in from... If that was a decision from the beginning, the old mm-hmm. you know, there, There's a lot of mechanics going on in the, in the game. Uh, it's pretty pretty intricate. I mean, it's accessible, but also uh, fairly intricate. Did those build over time, or was that the idea all along? Um, Say so with Superhouse of Dead Ninjas, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we came up with weapons and enemies and power-ups as we went along, really. We, we had a vague idea of what we'd add, but... Um, yeah, yeah, for we, example, we kind of... We, the I think the original idea was only to like have uh, maybe like five or six extra weapons on top mm-hmm. of that, but adult swim were very keen to push for like double or triple that, which I think worked out as a benefit because at at the end uh, you kind of go through the typical ninja weapons. You you basically gone through everything you've seen at, uh, the Ninja Turtles cartoon use already at that point. Mm-hmm. So you you just kind of you kind of have to think what what would be fun to use in this situation so that led to some of the sillier weapons in the game like yeah back and the the because there, there are plenty of arch yeah archetypal we- weapons you can have yeah in terms of yeah projectiles and melee weapons but it was it was always the more fun ones like the uh the rocket launcher and the baseball bat mm-hmm. which knocks enemies flying and stuff those that's what i had the most fun with anyway oh and the axes they were ludicrous <laughs> the, the bat was an homage to worms. No, oh, worms! Oh, maybe that's where it came from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was one of those unconscious things. Yeah, yeah. well, they had the dragon punch as well, of course. Which, yeah. Um, yeah. Did, we, did we do a dragon Actually, punch? Uh, no, they didn't. But um, they didn't. They, they didn't call it the dragon punch and fireball. They did the really clever thing by swapping the names around, so they had the fire punch and the dragon ball. <laughs> <laughs> Street Fighter tradition. Because you know, Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, now, one thing uh, you've had a body of work that's ma- managed to accumulate really amazing uh, track record. Now that said, which title are you most proud of? It will be nice to hear from every one of you. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, uh, Steph. You haven't said anything. <laughs> uh, I think for me it was Atomic Gringo because that that was my What's first the game. <laughs> Shut up! Now, Mike. <laughs> it, it was my first. Ga- it was my first game for Mega Dev. So mm-hmm. all the other stuff, for like Super Dead Ninja stuff, I don't care about. It's not. That's all chaff. All right. All chaff. <laughs> nice. But you came up with the character as well, didn't you, Steph? And uh... I did. Well, I had the, the character. I had the idea for the character, character knocking around for a long time, but then originally. I think it, it was a, it was going to be a platform game, wasn't it, Mike? We we came up with a platform game for it, and then Adult Swim pushed us in another direction, and we we kind of came up with a rhythm game idea, and then we kind of amalgamated that with a fighting game. So it went through a, a few different iterations before it became what it did in the end. Yeah, I think the fighting, the, the rhythm fighting idea was something that Mike had on the brew for a while. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Deadly Disco for a while, just in, yeah, in, terms, right, yeah. in terms of concept. Yeah. Um, that's it. That seemed quite fun. Violence and dancing. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to the violence, violence and speed, or violence, speed and dancing, or the uh, negative exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are the two main ingredients for our Mega game. Death. We condone violence of all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> um, Go on, John. Okay. Um, for, well, I guess uh, for me, it would have to be the, the first game I ever worked on, that Megadeth, technically. It would be Super Sauce Bomber, which mm-hmm. was the Probably, probably the first uh, like. It was like when we first started it. It was the first game we were working on, but it kind of take took quite a long time to get the art on that one done. So we had to push a couple, <laughs> of, other, couple of other projects out to make ends meet on that one. One oh, of which was the original Nightfall, in fact. Yeah, mm, one of my favorites. Came, yeah, came about as a as a side project to that major one. Which is kind of ironic, because Nightfall went on to make two sequels, and Slothbomb was kind of, well, forgotten about. Except oh. by me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let, let it go, John. It yes. Go. Or, at <laughs> least, or at least kickstart it. One or the other. <laughs> uh, so, so speaking of sequels, uh, Nightfall and Bomboozle, um, they, they've received follow-ups. and But other some of your other games have gone sequel-less. How do you guys determine what gets revisited? Is it just pure numbers? Is it is it more of a... Uh, like a pet project? Yeah, it's sheer greed, basically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever, whoever's foolish enough to give us money to make them. So, That's no, my I mean, criteria. As an indie developer, you, know, you have to build on your success, I guess, and um, sometimes you're never sure when you're, when you're going to get paid next. So mm. obviously you do have to think about your finances, and if you've got a, a popular game then and you've got more ideas for it and you think you can build on it then it, it makes sense to make a sequel sometimes um, it is I mean, largely we... dependent on whether you've got enough ideas for a sequel I mean some of our yeah. have gone I mean certainly so, sorry John go on no go on Nick uh, well I was just going to say with Nightfall 2 um, I think uh, we got asked by Armour Games to do it but it, it makes me wonder if we hadn't have done uh, whether we probably would have done made a sequel to it anyway, because it certainly seemed like we had plenty of ideas left over from the original that would have been nice to implement, and we got a lot of them in Nightfall too, definitely. Mm. Um, but yeah, is Nightfall is that still available? Can you purchase that? Um, I think the iTunes version got removed because it it didn't get upgraded to uh, yeah to be the compatible compatible with the latest uh, OS. Um, I think the PC version. Three, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nightfall one and two, two or three flash titles. Yeah, um, so it's still around. Right. Yeah. I was thinking the uh, was it the Namco Bandai uh, publishing. Was that for the third one? Yeah, that was the yeah. third one. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Um, so yeah, it was great to be approached by Namco to uh, yeah to make that because you know I've been a fan of Xevious and Pac Man and you know it's Ridge Racer and Tekken since. Yeah. Uh, a young age, so uh, yeah, to put out a, a game under the Namco name for us, yeah, for me personally, was fantastic. Yeah, it was fun. You know what could have been fun if we got Dig Dug in as a character? Oh, that would have been perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got we've got one character that attacks from above and one character that attacks from below, and we can have Dig Dug that exclusively attacks from the side. Oh, there you go. Pukas <laughs> and Figar is in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit about uh, about your success of different products, and I'm sure you guys are privy to dem- demographics. W- what's been your most popular title? That'd be Bombuzel easily. Really. Yeah, I mean, shit numbers. Had, yeah. Mm, it's, I think it's had between quarter and half a billion plays wow. uh, worldwide, and so yeah, I mean, 
that's by far the most plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and we've just released, uh, <laughs> insert plug here, uh, just released <laughs> an, an, I, an iTunes, uh, an iTunes version? An iOS version iOS, uh, yeah. on iTunes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's out today, I think. Oh, wow. Hooray! Yep. Yeah, three, yeah. Okay. Awesome. So pick that up on iTunes. Um, now, one of the things you mentioned is you'd love to see uh, Dig Dug. Um, but let's say the team was given a crack at making a sequel uh, or a reboot for a large IP. Are there any titles that you uh, would love to tackle? Uh, that's a tricky that's a one. <laughs> I mean, there's lots. There's certainly lots of games that, that we're all <laughs> individually massive fans of. It's, mm-hmm. it's more like whether yeah. you could do something do justice to them i mean like <laughs> I, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't i wouldn't say for a minute we, we'd be up for doing as uh, the next zelda for example that's oh, wow. a, yeah kind of aim high john aim high <laughs> <laughs> but this oh. is the thi- this is the thing my my thought was is, obviously it's not like we have the resources to do it but sure. oh dear the silent hill series could do with a proper reboot mm-hmm. and <laughs> I've but going back to Zelda, what, what would your Zelda do? <laughs> Obviously, you have some, you have an idea there. What would you no, no, Zelda? I said, no, no, I, I just meant just that, like the IP. I, I just, well, I'm a massive Zelda fan myself. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I think it, actually on on the subject of Zelda, in terms of the the handheld Zeldas, yeah. um, I really, really enjoyed uh, Capcom's uh, Minish Cap. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder if there was more mileage in the being able to shrink down and explore the world um, in kind of miniature form. I reckon there'd be plenty of plenty of puzzle yeah. possibilities with that. Well, that was a flagship that did those, wasn't it? That's the the Capcom team that worked on those Zelda titles. But yep. I think uh, they got disbanded and then got absorbed into the Zelda team at Nintendo anyway. Mm-hmm. But then they went. They they went to make the DS Zelda games, which were kind of hit and miss. But it's <laughs> a nice way of saying it. <laughs> well, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Spirit Tracks. No, yeah. honest, mm. but I'm not sure if they worked on Link Between Worlds though, because that would be mm-hmm. that would redeem them considerably in my eyes, because that game was awesome. Mm. Well, personally, I always preferred Wonder Gamelon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> okay. M- moving great, up. Great games. <laughs> Any of the rest of you guys have a IP that you'd love to? <clears throat> sure. It's got to be uh, one for you, Mike. Oh, Steph was going to say something. What would you say, Steph? Uh, do, do you, you, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I I don't think, especially on mobile, there's there's not enough um, turn-based strategy games. Yes. There used to be a game I used mm-hmm. to play on my Amstrad CPC 464 back in the. Mm-hmm. The 80s, <laughs> show my age, uh, called Laser Squad, mm-hmm. and it is just oh, Laser like, Squad, yeah, yeah. I, d- I just love the whole thing about being able to have your go, and the other person can take their go as and when, and it, it fires back and forward. And I just think something like that is mm-hmm. just like it. There's something out that's ripe for like a killing, like if it's the right kind of um, theme or something. I don't know. Not everyone's in the into the kind of sci-fi. Battley type thing, but it could work. It could work with anything. I just think I yeah. love turn-based strategy games. The yeah. simpler, the better. Well, like asynchronous play is perfect for mobile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for those that didn't have an Amstrad, uh, is, is that like an Advance Wars 
type of type yeah of game. yeah kind XCOM. of but, but yeah. even yeah, slightly sim- anyway, even yeah. slightly simpler than that oh really but, okay so yeah it's, kind of... it's really 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 good but just that's solely down to you used to put your guys on kind of opportunity fire and guys would like the other guy would come in walk around the corner and your guy would shoot him and stuff like that it's really great game me and my brother wasted many a hour playing that game yeah, it, was, it was written by Julian Gollop, wasn't it? The who he went on to make XCOM, is that right? Uh, I don't know what Young went on to make, but hmm. Gollop. I don't know if Julian Gollop was. Yeah, I, wonder. I should find out. <laughs> Sorry, let's get on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Julian Gollop. I thought he went squad. mad after chasing the yeah. one. And then he went oh. on to do XCOM. There you go. Yeah, Rebel Star was a classic as well. Yeah, Rebel Star as well. Brilliant. brilliant oh, there thing. you go. He's involved with uh, XCOM UFOs. Oh. Oh, Rebel Star oh. was the uh, XCOM light game, right? With spaceships. Uh, Rebel Star you're was. Bu- you're building a spaceship. Yeah. Okay. Or or maybe. You're, you're... No, I was thinking Sorry, of Breach yeah. for the Atari ST and um, and Amiga. Any of you guys played that? Obscure reference. Okay. Breach. I'm moving on. <laughs> maybe it was given a different name in the UK. Yeah, maybe. Breach. Oh, I'll look it up. <laughs> XCOM. Oh yeah. But this nice. Mm. No, I don't know that game. Just oh, well, have a look. One other, one other suggestion I had. I don't know if anyone's done it, but there's an old Commodore 64 game called Paradroid mm-hmm. um, by a guy, a British coder called Andrew Braybrook, mm-hmm. um, in the 80s, and it, it was it, it's a top-down uh, thing where you, you control a robot that's essentially got to destroy all the other robots on a spaceship pretty simple and it employs a kind of a line of sight thing so anything that's hidden behind a door mm-hmm. or just out of your direct line of sight you, you won't see and you're very underpowered to start off with and what you do is you um you interface with a more powerful robot and then try and take them over and then you you kind of uh, you'll have that the, the capabilities of that robot for a little while until it burns out and so you keep skipping from robot to robot mm-hmm. and fire a little sub game until you're until you're as powerful as you need to be to take on the the most powerful ones it was just a fantastic game it was it was kind of leagues ahead of most of the, mm. the nonsense that was out there was that the uh, mastertronics output <laughs> oh mastertronics <laughs> uh, God, you talk. What did I do? Lawnmower Lorm- Simulator? Was that one of theirs? Or was that Codemasters? I just remember they put out the uh, Paul McCartney game. The the oh, <laughs> Give my right, regards to Broad Street. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was one of the few games I asked for a full and uh, courteous refund on. Oh, dear, was that bad? <laughs> yes. It was, it was worse oh. than his uh, musical output during that era, too. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Well, I mean, they, they Mastertronic were a budget label, so yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah, I will say one thing about Paul McCartney. I can't stand, you know, I can't stand his recent work. But mm-hmm. I read in an interview, the, his favourite video game soundtrack is Pilot Wings on the Super Famicom. Mm. I thought, wow, that's cool. That's because that's also that- my, that's one of my favourite games of all time. Mm-hmm. I'd love to. Yeah, I can, I can recreate Pilot Wings, but <laughs> yeah, that's something I wish I'd, I could have come up with. Well, I'll I, tell really, you- I really hope that's not an urban myth. No, it was. It was, on, it was <laughs> It was on the well, Guardian, like, so it must be true. So when I found out the guy from the lead singer from Pantera uh, is a big fan of the Smiths, what? that's absolutely true. I thought you guys didn't like this. Absolutely bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call you okay. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't mind the Smiths. Yeah, no, Kotaku reported on this as well. See, it's true. Well. So we, we did have one question before I uh, talk Sorry, about, we got, move yeah. on to the future. Yes, talk about Kotaku. Uh, we had a question from Lizard. He asked uh, if you guys do uh, hire voiceover artists or do your own dialogue. Um, most, most of it we do um, ourselves. We have some friends that come in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, by and large... By and large, it's just it's just us or me screaming into a mic. The only um, the only time where we stepped away from that was was holy crap bears. Yes, and because uh, Adult Swim have lots of people in their office who kind of just fill in mm-hmm. <laughs> for games that need dialogue or animations that need dialogue on the on the channel. So we got we got some of them to do it, mm-hmm. and and they were really good. So so the traveling sales bear was somebody. <laughs> Uh, the traveling sales bear was some someone named John Hinson, what? and uh, he did he, he did a great job of that. Yeah, he knocked it out he, of the park. He's bag. a big guy as well. <laughs> he's, a big guy. <laughs> he's the size of a bear. This guy, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. So there you go. He, he, didn't, might, he, might he didn't have to do any method acting <laughs> to get into the role. He, he, he knew what he was doing. He might secretly be a bear. He was kind of eyeing the honey. A shaved bear. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the future for uh, Megadev. Okay. Tell me, tell me what, what's coming down the pipeline for you guys. Well, we're, we're uh, working with Adult Swim still. Mm-hmm. Um, they've not gotten rid of us yet. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> we're doing an RPG with them, uh, which we can't say much about, but it's going oh. to be out there, wacky. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's, gonna be, it's not your standard RPG, and that's, that's, what, that's what we're allowed to say. Um, and that's about... A month mm, I'm going to have to press you. A parody? What, what do you mean out there? Well, I'm not to say. I'm not like, <laughs> <laughs> um, But we're hoping, it's, yeah. we're hoping it's coming to Steam. Um, awesome. It's going through that sort mm-hmm. of approval process at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's been our first RPG. Probably our last RPG as well, because it's... it's <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's been really tough. <laughs> yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, Tough, because... tougher than an action. What was? Can you talk about what was tough? Was it just the dialogue, story, mechanics? What, what? Well, I think all all of the above, really. <laughs> yeah. The sheer yeah. amount of content, the sheer mm-hmm. amount of mechanics, and yeah. did you yeah. walk away with a new found appreciation for for role playing games after being in the mm. development hell? Oh, well, <laughs> I was kind of still there. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> purgatory these days. Yeah, purgatory. Well, yeah. When I look back at uh, what. Uh, Richard Garriott did with Ultima, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 80s on whatever it was, two, three, four floppy disks, yeah. uh, you know, creating that sort of sandbox world yeah. uh, back then. It was just incredible, really. Um, and, yeah, we're trying to get some of that into our game, but, you know, to even get a, a tenth of that would be would be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a, a lot of respect for those guys. And for um, Binary Systems as well, who made Starflight. Uh, mm-hmm. That was another incredible RPG uh, on two... Yeah, two three hundred and sixty k discs. Yeah, just crazy. And yeah, and that that would cover in our yeah some of our games that that would equate to probably one <laughs> image or one sound effect. You know. Yeah, there's yeah. one of jo- one of John's animation sheets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It's amazing the the size of some of those old arcade games. You know, just, mm, yeah. just what they mm. can do in the very limited amount of space. Yeah, I mean, that's when making games was really tough, and yeah. there were some very talented people around back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. really appreciate it, and wish you the best of luck. Thank you, thank you for having us back. Thank you very much. <laughs> it only took us three years, but... <laughs>
You guys ready for some trivia? Oh my god, so yeah. ready. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Let's bring it on, then. <laughs> Question one. With Wii U owners starving for, so starving for software, Nintendo seems to have found a stopgap solution by bringing back Game Boy Advance games for their underperforming system. This week's release of WarioWare Incorporated Mega Micro Games has gamers completing tasks under which pretense? A. Mario needs to raise money so he can buy a second sports squad, eliminating competition for his main baseball team. B. Wario is watching TV. He hears a report discussing the popularity of video games. Sensing a potential payday, he swings into action with his own development company. C. Wario's get-rich-quick scheme of purchasing a high-rise is challenged when inspectors find a myriad of problems with the skyscraper. To fix these problems, he enlists the help of Mona, Jimmy, T, 9-Volt, and others. D. In the year 20XX, a once-popular video game company finds himself struggling forcing Wario out of retirement as a last-ditch effort to save their ill-fated system. They all seem vaguely plausible, and they all sound a little like someone was watching Wreck-It Ralph and then decided to write a video game. I'm gonna wreck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm go say... I'm gonna say D for funsies. B right, sounds familiar, and I can't remember if it was from WarioWare Touched or not. I feel like WarioWare Incorporated because I didn't I didn't play Touch and I feel like B I remember watching that cutscene that, that was described. I'll go I'll go with B. Yep, as an owner of every single WarioWare game because I absolutely love the series. You have Game and Wario? Wario was watching. Uh, no. Well, which one's Game and Wario? For the Wii U. Oh yeah, yeah, I have that one. I've got okay. the Wii U. I love that one because all of the different forms. It's like, like a sad clown in the rain. <laughs> yeah, is that the one? That announcer. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I have that one. Or like a, okay. a bicyclist whose shorts are too tight. Ew, like that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's totally hilarious. Yeah. So, so just that to recap like it real quick. A touched. There's the there's the Game Boy version. There's the GameCube version. There's uh, WarioWare Twisted, which you use with the GBA, and it had the big accelerometer, and it had this very bitey little like click when you when you rotate it, like a little had a little vibration in there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so touch where you make the games. Yeah, there's touch. There's also WarioWare. Uh, what? Which one is that? Do DIY WarioWare DIY. Yeah, DIY. Yep. And I feel like there's one more that I'm not thinking of. For the Wii? Uh, well, the, there's, the there's one the where one the... you were like the little razor and you'd shave at the Wiimote? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that the one you were just talking about? No, no, no. I'm talking about the Game Boy Advance one. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah. And, and the thing I love about it is that there are just so many different ways to do stupid things with games. Like pushing a button can, you know, yeah. put the finger up your nose, do all kinds yep. of things. Anyway, <laughs> so the answer is Wario's watching TV, thinks he's going to get rich quick doing video games. Wow. From the Wario expert. Apparently. You had me doubting myself for a minute. But <laughs> that is correct. Damn it. I am the Wario expert. He's watching TV. And by the way, Mona is one of the hottest video game characters of all time. Just got to throw that out there. Okay. You better get the next next question, Double or Nothing, I, then. Oh, no. Now, I mentioned disco-loving Jimmy T, perpetually upbeat, yes. scooter-riding, gelato-loving Mona, at 9-volt, the youthful Nintendo fan. Now, pick out the fake Wario character from the list of actual tropey micro game personas is it a uh -oh. dribble and spits who are a dog and cat duo work as cabbies b cat and anna two female kid ninjas c Vinny, the jovial pizza parlor owner or d 
Dr. Krygor, a cyborg scientist? I'm going to say I think C. It's A. I'm going to go with A because I remember the ninjas. The pizza place owner would fit with Mona delivering pizzas and touched. And Dr. Krygor almost sounds familiar, but I could be wrong. I think it's an A. I think it's an A or D, but I'll go with A. C. I'm going to go C. Okay. Uh, yes, indeed. There, there, there. Actually, there is a uh, pizza guy that Mona works for, but I'm not sure that he has a name. He definitely doesn't have any games that are based on he himself. Um, so the answer is the uh, affable pizza man, whatever that. Whatever. I that like was. the way you speak with such authority. Jovial. Yeah, I'm just, now that I actually I didn't realize that this was the theme of this of this, <laughs> of this show. So now I have to like really bring my game. But uh, yes. for extra points, Micro-game. who can who can sing the uh, the Mona Pizza song? Oh God! If, if I had known you. beforehand and rehearsed, I probably could have. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, uh, the, there's no, there's no pizza man. Yes, Vinny, totally fictitious. Number three. You know this... why I thought that? Because why? they don't tend to use like overly stereotyped names. Forget like they use like a Japanese cutesy version of names, like but they're Mario not usually like. Luigi? <laughs> Do you actually know any? Mother, okay, first of all, their main characters, not side characters. Okay. Second of all, do you know any fucking Italians named Mario? I mean, in real life. No, they're all named Mario. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. They're from Yonkers. Well, whatever. Okay, number three. <laughs> this week, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror also becomes available to Wii U owners via the virtual console service. Name the developer who didn't have a hand in this game's design. Who did not? Did not. A, Hal Laboratory, B, Flagship, C, Game Republic, or D, Dimps? D, Dimps. (laughs) Dimps seems like... Why'd you drop an octave, Sage? Because I wanted to be serious about it. Okay, good. Serious is good. I think I'm going to go with Game Republic. (laughs) Jeez, you're so confident about that. I think you have an extra syllable in there. I'll jump on that boat with you, Blue. I was actually going to say Game Republic, uh, only because I, I was trying to think of the guy. Who, who used to be the studio head over there? And he's, like, all racist against Americans and stuff. What? Yeah, what was that guy's name? I don't think he's with the company anymore. Uh, but anyway, I was going to go with that not based on any actual thing. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to go with HAL Laboratories, just because they made all the rest of them, and I doubt they had anything to do with this. Bam. Correct answer, Game Republic. Who is, for the record, Jeremy, no longer with us. Many of the uh, people there, I understand, were picked up by, um, what is that, Tango Softworks. Ah. But didn't they have the coolest logo? It's kind of cursive. Do you guys remember the Game Republic? Probably better than their their selection of games. Yes. How many people actually know what cursive is now? That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Got me there. Okay. (laughs) Number four this week sees the release of off-delayed... Titanfall for the Xbox 360, which was ported by Austin, Texas-based Bluepoint Games. Name the game which the company did not work on. A, the PS Vita version of PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale. B, Bentley's Hack Pack for the PS Vita. C, Blast Factor for the PS3. Or D, Metal Gear HD Collection for the PS3 and Xbox 360. Ooh, those are good. Uh, what was the question? Sorry. Which which one did this company? Didn't, what, which did they not work on? Blue Point uh, Game. Uh, uh, D because I have no idea what we're talking about. 
<laughs> after, after question three, the Sage just stops listening. With <laughs> <laughs> you, blue point. I, Which one? I'm going to say Bentley's hack pack. Everybody See, and is. I was going to say Bentley's hack pack too because that seems like a little too easy because it's kind of like PlayStation All Stars. Kind of has the same, you know. I don't know. It kind of seems like the kind of thing, but it's small, and they could theoretically get away with doing that. I kind of want to say they weren't working on Metal Gear because. It seems like development-wise, those were probably about the same time as PlayStation All-Stars, so maybe they weren't available to be doing it. So based on that possibly faulty logic, I'm going to say Metal Gear. Metal Gear! Metal Gear. <laughs> well, the correct Gear? answer is Bentley's Hack Pack, but Jeremy, your line of reasoning yeah. is making me say it has, it, I know, it's getting everybody else the points, so you just let me answer first, and whatever I originally was going to go with... and. <laughs> Don't, but I, but I like okay. that. We're <laughs> simultaneously developed. At least I'm consistent. There you go. Number five, this week the Atlas published procedurally generated whore title, Daylight. Is Did you say that again? Horror. <laughs> Did you say horror, horror title? Horror title. Horror. Daylight. Horror. Is hitting PCs. Which of the Could following terrifying this? titles did the developer not create? A, Silent Hill <laughs> Homecoming. B, Saw 2, Flesh and Bone. C, the Kinect-powered Blackwater, or D, really terrifying title, Frogger, Hyper Arcade Edition. Jesus! Hey, I want to say that from now on, I would really like Robert to read these questions in his best John F. Kennedy. <laughs> Which horror game did they not develop? Um, it's a horror game. A horror game. <laughs> Which horror game did they not which um, <laughs> one of the games in this question will land on the moon and safely return to the earth nice I'd like to point Mark out could do a Brando in Apocalypse Now the horror. Horror. <laughs> the horror the horror are you an assassin um, you know what I'm sorry but that was just so funny I can't remember what the choices were <laughs> he pulled a sage I don't... Silent Hill Homecoming Saw 2. I, I was just prepping my, my John Kennedy impression, but that whole time while you're reading those, I'm just like, okay, ha, ha. All right, do it again. <laughs> Get your mind out of Boston. Ha, C. Howard Blackwater. Or Go D. Frogger. Frogger. Hypa Arcade Edition. Hypa Arcade Edition. so hypa. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with Silent Hill, and I probably should pick Saw 2. I want to go with Blackwater. Blackwater. You guys aren't going to do this through the whole thing. <laughs> yes, we are now. Yes. Wow. The <laughs> show where like everybody turns day. into Kennedy. <laughs> it's either that or Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday. You don't sound like Marilyn yeah, Monroe at all. No, you don't. I'm a pretty, pretty girl. You would like to be, but you are not. <laughs> I'm Jeremy. looking at a picture of you with a mustache. You're clearly not a pretty girl. <laughs> Just Jeremy, you can never be a lolly. Correct answer, Silent Hill Homecoming. Damn it. Oh, I could have sworn I saw the little Atlas label up in the corner of that game at some point. So, no, Silent Hill it was uh, Konami. Oh, but, okay. Uh, but we're looking for... Um, I forget, we're looking I forget for the name. Zombie, Zombie Studios. Oh, Zombie Studios. You know, the, Zombie Studios has been doing a lot of stuff just, like, all over the place, randomly. Yeah. Like zombies. Not much good. And not even... No, 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 no. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I actually, I like their... Uh, I think I've like mentioned Blacklight? this before on this show, too. Uh, no, yeah, I don't know. You know, I know some people who are really into Blacklight. Really? 
Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of weirdly. Just don't take uh, a black light I, to Blue's bedroom. Uh, <laughs> you will go blind. <laughs> uh, I did like their PC port of Guardians That's... of Earth, though. Yeah, weird, right? Speaking of Atlas, have you guys seen Guardians that? Guardians of Middle Wait, wait, are we done with trivia? Because I feel like we've gotten yes, very far off topic. We're, we're done. We're totally done. Oh, no, no, no. only four questions this week? No, there were five. five. Well, fuck I me, told I you. Paige, Mars Green, not paying attention during trivia. She tuned out. Question three. Wall. Oh, wait, that was a different question. <laughs> <laughs>